everyone, and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. And for our weekly guest for our Week 4 Waiver Wire edition of this uh, podcast, we're actually bringing in another Football Outsiders writer, Derek Klassen. Okay, joining me on the line is Derek Klassen, a film analyst and writer for Football Outsiders. I think he's going to be a great person to have on to talk fantasy football this early season because he actually breaks down the players from a film perspective and maybe can offer some some perspective that small sample size statistics can't. Derek, how are you? Thanks so much for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, not doing too bad today. Um, the weather's getting a little bit better over here, so that's nice. Uh, how, okay. how have you been? Nice. Very good. Uh, where are you located? Uh, right now I'm in Shafter, California, which is like kind of on the way to Los Angeles, but not quite there. Okay, nice. You'll have to go check out the fancy new SoFi Stadium once things are up and running for the COVID. <laughs> yeah, once, <laughs> once it's allowed to do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, you may actually have a, a Los Angeles person uh, in your list of waiver wire recommendations, but let me set it up briefly. We're going to play the same game that I like to play every week on Monday with our guests where we're going to each pick three of our most interesting waiver wire recommendations for this week, this being week four now. These don't have to be the best waiver recommendations. You can check out my article on footballoutsiders.com for a comprehensive list with um, bid estimates for every player. But we just want to hear who the most interesting players are for you at this point. And Derek, as the guest, I'm going to let you go first. Awesome. I mean, I, I do have a Los Angeles player. It's not a Rams player. Um, it's actually a Chargers player who by all accounts, was not supposed to be starting, really, which is Justin Herbert. Because um, at the beginning of the season, it was obviously Tyrod Taylor who got the first start. Um, and then Herbert kind of came in because Tyrod Taylor's lung was punctured by a doctor, <laughs> which still seems like uh, an insane story. But um, I hate to laugh at it, but it's so ridiculous. It's, you just and it's have so to. Chargers, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, but I mean, Justin Herbert's here now, and I think Really, by all accounts, he's done a pretty good job as a rookie. Um, he's had about 70% completion, 7.1 uh, yards um, average depth of the target, which is like not too bad. He's averaging almost eight yards per attempt. I think what's really interesting to me um, in this offense for him is that I think they've actually done a really good job of blending a lot of the things and concepts that he did at Oregon and making them work at the NFL level. I think if you look at the Oregon offense, they were obviously in gun all the time. Los Angeles isn't necessarily yeah. in gun all the time, but I think they're an empty a lot um, so far. And I think Herbert's a pretty good empty quarterback. I think sometimes mentally he can be a little bit slow post-snap, getting you know to a second and third read. But empty formations are really all about what you're doing pre-snap and how quickly you can get the ball out off that first read. And I think for the most part, Herbert is great at that. And they've been doing really well with that kind of stuff. His accuracy needs to get cleaned up there a little bit, but I think He's good at it mentally. And then I think some of their play action stuff has been really interesting so far. I think the Chiefs game in particular, they did a really good job of making him comfortable under center with a lot of these rollouts, a lot of these play action plays that aren't targeting just, you know, the 10, 15 yard area, kind of like the Rams and the Niners do, but really pushing the ball down the field and letting uh, Justin Herbert take advantage of his arm. So I think even just early on with this team, they've done a really good job of letting him be the player that he is. Yeah, from a lot of the pre-draft analysis that I read about Herbert from other scouts, it seemed to be that the fear for his long-term potential as a franchise quarterback was that he would make the occasional bad decision and the, the Chiefs' deep interception that he threw that may have sabotaged that game kind of stands out as what I would expect from him. But that's something that may not really matter that much in fantasy. Throwing the occasional interception is not as important as getting you know, a lot of passing yards and, and passing touchdowns. And more importantly, if he continues to check it down to guys like 
Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. These are some of those sort of shorter depth receivers that really can make it easy on a quarterback to produce in fantasy and avoid mistakes. So this may actually be a really good situation for him, both from a real world perspective, but especially from a fantasy perspective, don't you think? I agree. And and honestly, I mean, one, those Chargers backs are really good for any quarterback to throw to. But I, I do think one thing I like to look for in quarterbacks is how well they understand when it's time to get to their check down. And while Herbert does have those one or two plays, like you mentioned, the game where he might just do something absolutely insanely stupid. I think on a play to play basis, he actually does do a pretty decent job of understanding when it's time to just check it down. And in that offense, like you said, I think that that's perfect. And I think another thing that kind of matters for fantasy with him, too, is he's a plenty good runner. And they already showed that they're willing to do that. They ran speed option a few times um, in the Chiefs game. And so I think if they can keep developing the quarterback run game, that could be something to look for, too. Well, sticking with the theme of rookie quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks that run a little bit, my first waiver recommendation for the week is Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's played all three games so far for the team and is actually top 10 at the position going into Monday night. He'll probably fall to 11th with 60.2 fantasy points so far this season. Uh, and really, that's mostly driven by volume, honestly. He's thrown for more than 300 yards the last two games, um, but that's been over, I think, 105 total pass attempts. So the Bengals are bad, their defense is bad, and that's creating an imbalance of pass versus run plays for Burrow and just making him pass a lot to keep up. But Despite the fact that he's getting hit a ton and, and is top five in the league with a 9% sack rate, he's handling it very well, looks very comfortable to me in the pocket despite the pressure. He's actually thrown just one interception so far this season. And while this isn't really a good situation for the Bengals to win games, it's another situation where I think the fantasy production could be a little bit better than you would expect. And with all of that pressure, he's kind of getting out and running a little bit. He has 16 carries for 64 yards on the ground this season. That's actually only Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen have more carries among quarterbacks this season. And I think you can tell me if I'm wrong, Derek, but I think that kind of meshes with what he did a little bit at LSU, has a little bit more athleticism than I think gets talked about based on his accuracy and passing statistics back in college. So again, a profile of a player who in fantasy may be a little bit more productive than you would expect given the team's success. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it, it's funny is that um, the, the way that the team is bad is actually kind of conducive to him needing to throw more and needing to yeah. be a good quarterback, which I think he is. I mean, like you mentioned, the defense is terrible. So they're always going to be in these positions where they have to keep up in games. And I think with the way that the offensive line works, like how bad it is, I don't think they can really do the whole Shanahan, you know, run to set up play action thing where they're running a lot. I think yeah. you kind of have to stay in empty and stay in gun with these five man protections and just let Burrow be the smarter quarterback, um, and, which I think he is. Um, and I kind of think that's why he's going to be able to keep up this production, at least on a fantasy level, because I just think he's so sharp. He's showed early on that he just, even if he's not, you know, 100% right on every decision, he's at least playing fast and playing comfortable. And I think being 100% right is going to start to come along um, with time. So I think everything you mentioned is absolutely on point. And I think especially with the athleticism, even though LSU didn't necessarily do a lot of like designed run game for him, I think, like you said, like he's just, he's really a weapon once he gets outside the pocket. He's actually a pretty good athlete. Um, and he, he can really make some defenses miss. I mean, his first touchdown in the NFL was like a 20 yard drop. It was. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, so hopefully he can get that up. My major fear is really that he's going to get hurt again, kind of with the pass protection issues. But from a fantasy perspective, again, you're kind of taking this on a per game basis anyway. So I think pick him up for the time being and, and definitely play him in his best matchups 
And if you need to adjust down the line, then, then you have that option to do that. Derek, why don't you hit us with your second choice of a waiver recommendation for week four? Yeah, my next one is going to be Justin Jefferson, who a- after the week he had is probably pretty hot. But I, I think what's what's worth noting with him is it- it's not that you should be picking him up just because he had this productive week. I think it's the particular way in which he was productive that to me was like made it seem like this is going to keep happening. I think if you look at a lot of his plays, he had one play where um, they lined him up really tight to the formation and he ran like a little 10 yard glance route, which is just all he did at LSU. Um, and they didn't do it from gun off the RPO like they did at LSU. It was from under center and it looked like it was going to be a run play. But I, I think that that's what's important with this Vikings offense is they've kind of done a decent job of meshing the routes that Jefferson is good at and putting them into the the Vikings offense and the Vikings structure. Yeah. And like another one of his plays, they had uh, Kirk Cousins and empty and they had Jefferson out wide. He ran like a go route. Um, but they threw a back shoulder. And I think throwing the back shoulder go route for Jefferson in particular is great because I don't think he's necessarily a burner in the way that like Will Fuller is, but he can threaten you vertically enough. And he has such great agility on the sideline that he's such a threat on those back shoulder balls. So I think this week in particular, it seemed like something clicked with the game plan where they really understood what Jefferson is good at. And they, they really started to let him do that. And Kirk Cousins really trusted him on those plays. Yeah, you know, I think my early season fears with Jefferson were that he has spent time in the slot and the Titans are one of the heavier reliers on two tight end formations with now Irv Smith along with Kyle Rudolph. And that kind of bared out with the snap share for Jefferson in the early weeks. But this last week, he jumped from a 54% snap share in week two to 78% with other outside receiver BC Johnson falling from 78% to 5%. So like my read on this is that Jefferson is now clearly the number two receiver And kind of, as you mentioned, he's got the versatility to play in the slot and outside. I don't think there's any reason to expect he won't be a fixture in their lineup for most snaps going forward, in which case he probably really can be productive in fantasy, even if, you know, the Vikings are probably going to run the ball a little bit more than you would like them to for his fantasy value. I agree. I mean, I think the reason maybe that they had had BC Johnson there beforehand um, in those first two weeks is that if you are maybe strictly looking for a guy who's winning in the one to 10 yard area with like slants, curls, um, hitches and stuff like that, that maybe you could make the argument that BC Johnson, because he's a little bit stronger and bigger is better for those kinds of routes. But I think Mm -hmm. if Jefferson can be 90% of what BC Johnson is there and then have all this other flexibility and speed at all these other positions. And now you can actually kind of interweave what Thielen is doing with Jefferson, whereas you couldn't really do that with Johnson. I think you're absolutely right where Jefferson is probably going to be the staple now just because they can just do so much more as an offense, I think, with him in there. Yeah, definitely. Okay, my second choice of the most interesting waiver pickups for week four is Mike Davis running back for the Panthers. Obviously, Davis got picked up a lot after Christian McCaffrey's prior week injury, and Davis is available in a little bit more than 20% of leagues. But definitely check your wire to see if Davis got left out there in your leagues because this for this one start, it looks to me like it's pretty much a plug-and-play with Davis with Christian McCaffrey's workload. He took 13 of the team's 21 carries, with backup Reggie Bonifant taking two, Treddy Bridgewater taking two, and Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver, taking four. That's actually something that Samuel has done pretty commonly in his career. He's got a lot of speed to work with those end-around type of carries. But more importantly, from a fantasy perspective, Davis saw another nine targets, jumping him up to 17 through two weeks, 
which is good for a 25% target share over the last two weeks, second highest among all running backs. So you love that, especially in your PPR leagues. And even from a touchdown scoring perspective, it looked to me like Davis was probably going to be the guy closer into the end zone. The Panthers offense stalled out a few times in the red zone and, and settled for field goals. So we didn't get a lot of opportunities quite near the goal line to really tell. But Davis did take carries from both the 8 and 10 yard lines, the only back on the team to do so, and led the team with 0.35 opportunity adjusted rushing touchdowns. So at least as I see things so far, I mean, I think Davis is going to be a productive, maybe even back in running back one while McCaffrey misses the next few weeks. And I've actually been very impressed with this talent. I don't know, Derek, if you've had any perspective on what you've seen from Davis as a runner and receiver so far, but I don't think the team is missing nearly as much as you would expect, given that they're losing their Pro Bowl running back. Yeah, I mean, Davis is one of those guys where they, for whatever reason, just constantly bounce around the league, but they've been you know, decent to good at a lot of stops. Um, I mean, Mike Davis has stopped in like Seattle before he was in Chicago, really for a lot of the, what he's doing now, where he's this, he's a really good short linebacker. Um, he's really good at just getting like the standard yards for like zone concepts and stuff. And like you mentioned with the red zone stuff, I think on particular on this Panthers team, they don't really have anybody else who can do it. So he's really good for that. Um, to me, the receiving is more a product of like, that's just the way that the offense is going to function anyway, yeah. rather than him being particularly good at it. But you know, in, in fantasy, I, I think you don't really care how how or why the points are getting there so long as they're getting there. So, Yeah, and I guess if Davis is the one that's offering the, the relative superiority in some of those other types of situations, he's going to be the one that gets the targets rather than someone like Reggie Bonifon, who, or I guess Trenton Cannon, who I think was inactive in this game, somebody that you may not want to have on the field for every type of play. Absolutely. I think Davis... Even if he's not a fantastic three down back, I think for this team in particular, he's more well-rounded than really any of the other options that they have here. Yeah. Okay, Derek, hit us with your third choice waiver wire pickup for week four. All right. My third and final one here is actually um, Brandon Ayuk of uh, the San Francisco 49ers. And for me, this is not so much faith in Ayuk as a player as it is Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. Because to me, Ayuk is a a really limited player. He's great with the ball in his hand. He's very fast. But um, for my money, he's really only great at like slants and um, like kind of burning straight down the field. But the thing is that Kyle Shanahan is such a good play designer and so good at understanding exactly what his players are good at that he's going to manufacture touches in those ways to make sure even if this player can only do two things, he's going to make sure that player can do those two things very well. And I think if you look at some of the targets and touches got um, that he got, you know, they manufactured some touches um, on like some jet stuff. Um, I caught a couple of RPOs on like um, some slants and some glances, which like that's really the exact way that you want to be using him. And so Mm -hmm. at least early on, it seems like Shanahan's done an excellent job of understanding exactly what Ayuk is good at, not asking him to do too much. And I think with as explosive an athlete as he is, he's going to rip off some insane plays at some point, even if he hasn't quite done it yet. Yeah, I'm, I've just been totally fascinated by the whole Shanahan experience over the last year or so with bringing in backs like Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon, these sub 4-4 backs who just kill it after the catch and on the potential for the long runs. And really the wide receivers all seem to be built that way. We saw Debo Samuel run in a, a couple of touchdowns um, last year and he'll probably do the same when he comes back in a week or two this year uh, i scored on a rushing touchdown this week obviously jalen heard that was kind of the plan for him before he got hurt so it's just it's a really cool off kind of design such that it seems to me like Ayuk is going to be more effective on the 49ers than he would have had any chance to be anywhere else 
Meanwhile, I'm encouraged that he's played 72% and 73% of the offensive snaps in his first two healthy weeks the last two weeks. He's already up in that Kendrick Bourne range. Bourne has been at 74% and 83%. So as Aya continues to gain experience, I'm feeling fairly confident that he'll be the receiver on the field with Samuel once Samuel makes it back. Um, in which case, I think he probably can be a very productive fantasy player, whoever the quarterback is playing in Shanahan's offense. Okay, I'll close this up with my third waiver recommendation for this week, which is Jimmy Graham tied in for the Chicago Bears. Um, The big news, I guess, with the Bears was that Nick Foles came in for Mitchell Trubisky and led the big comeback from a 16-point deficit over the Falcons. Foles himself may have some fantasy value for you in your deeper formats, but I think that the switch at quarterback is probably going to benefit Graham more than anyone else in fantasy. Even though Foles came in in the third quarter and played less than half of the game, he was the one that threw seven of the 10 targets that went Graham's way on the day. So from just a total target perspective, I think this could be a really big boon. Trubisky only threw 14.8% of his targets to tight ends over the last two years. That's 40th of 44 quarterbacks with 300 or more attempts, whereas Foles has been up at uh, 25.8%, top 10 at the position. But it also seems like a big red zone reliance thing. Falls through one touchdown to uh, to Graham on the day, but had three throws to him in the end zone. He could be a big red zone weapon and probably weapon in general. Again, Tariq Cohen ended up tearing his ACL in this game. So the, the Bears really don't have a ton of other options. And given Foles' history, I think Graham could be a big beneficiary and see a lot of targets going forward. I mean, I think you're absolutely right on Foles being a beneficiary for Graham in particular. I mean, Part of him throwing to tight ends so often is probably because he played for the Eagles and they have wonderful tight ends. But Mm -hmm. I think that at least in part speaks to what Foles is good at, where Foles is very willing to trust his good players, which seems like something every quarterback should do. Um, But I think if you just look at the way that he connected with Alshon Jeffrey in um, Philadelphia, who's not a tight end, but it was very much a player that the Eagles couldn't quite figure out what to do. But Foles steps in and it was just like this instant connection because... Foles just very much trusted him to do what he was good at. And I think that that's probably what we're going to start seeing here in Chicago with Jimmy Graham. Nice. Okay, Derek, that's going to wrap up this week's episode or this Monday's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Uh, Obviously, as a fellow Football Outsiders writer, all of our listeners can find some of your work up on Football Outsiders. But why don't you talk us through what you have available and anything else that you want to promote? Uh, yep. So I'll have my film room up um, on Football Outsiders every Thursday. I'm sure everyone listening to this already knows that. But um, on Roto World, uh, every Tuesday, I chart some random college quarterback every week and, and kind of go through how their game was. This week, it's going to be Kyle Trask of Florida. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much the big thing. Perfect. Well, everybody check out Derek's great work and all the other great work up on footballoutsiders.com. Meanwhile, circle back on Friday to hear all of my best week four DFS plays. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you on Friday.